Welcome to the Life Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church based in North Dallas with a desire to help people love God, love people, and make a difference. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. It is an honor for us to be here at the Life Church. And you know, it occurred to me, and you guys probably already know this, that the Life Church is TLC tender, loving care. That's awesome because that's what the church really needs to be all about. Praise God, because there are people that come here hurting. And you know, sometimes all they need is someone to reach out and smile at them. Smile does not cost you one penny, but they just need to know that someone loves them. Jesus loves them through us in Jesus' name. And it is indeed an honor for my wife and I to be here at the Life Church today. And we thank Brother and Sister Mann for allowing us to come. Uh, first of all, to share our thanks to all of you. We are missionaries in the nation of Guatemala. We've been serving there now for just 38 years. Uh, I say that uh, a little while ago. I was talking to a pastor in Guatemala, and they believe in having large families. And I said to him, I said, Brother, I said, how many kids do you have? And he said, just 11 like he had somehow failed. <laughs> so we've just been in Guatemala for 38 years. And it's incredible because I feel like I still should be 38 years old. But we went there very young. And this church has been a part of our ministry. And you've been supporting us. You've been praying for us. And uh, what we're going to share with you this morning, you have been a part of. And it couldn't happen without churches just like you. Praise the Lord. Because we go together. There's an old saying in missions that says that some give by going and others go by giving. And without the two, it's not going to happen. And so we're very grateful for that. And I'm thrilled this morning that we are at the Life Church on Move the Mission Sunday. How many can say Move the Mission? Just like this first service. How many can say, move the mission? Move the mission. I believe in moving the mission. And we are so grateful to move the mission because one of the areas that move the missions uh, funds so much money into is into global missions. And Move the Mission supplies missionary vehicles for missionaries all over the world. And we have been recipients for the last 38 years of missionary vehicles. In fact, right now, I have a 2018 Honda Pilot, and that thing can take me almost anywhere in Guatemala where there's roads. Now, we do have some areas that we go by a Move the Mission mule. Would that be Mule the Mission? I'm not sure, but, but, um, but our, our Move the Mission vehicle gets us into areas that a lot of people cannot get into, and we are very grateful because God has blessed us through the giving of churches like yours, and you supply vehicles for missionaries literally all over the world that get into areas that we would not normally get into. Now, I am especially blessed because um, when we bought this new Move the Mission vehicle, I needed something very special because in Guatemala, um, anybody know what traffic is all about? Okay, I can leave my home on a Sunday morning and get to the Central Church and Bible School in 20 minutes. Monday morning, it takes me at least two hours. The traffic is my thorn in the flesh. And, um, you know, you can, nothing can make you any more carnal than spending two hours on traffic. So when we, something new had come into Guatemala when we were buying our vehicle, and that's something called Apple Play. Now, that's not playing with apples. 
it's it, it actually, and I, I decided I'm going to get a vehicle with Apple Play. And you know why? Because I can sit in my vehicle in traffic and I can send emails all over the world. I can, I can send messages. I can take care of problems. And so now I use my time in my move the mission vehicle to move the mission all over the world. And I think that's really exciting. Praise the Lord. And so we're very grateful. Um, I'm a product of move the mission. Uh, I was a youth leader and we raised um, lots of money. You know, brother, brother Matt, you know what we used to do? We used to rent a teen. Do you remember that brother man? They used to rent a teen, and you literally, you could rent a teen from the church to do anything that you want them to do, like cut the grass, uh, do whatever, and in this heat, you might want to rent several teens and an air conditioner, but, uh, but we, we used to do that, and then I went to Bible school on a Move the Mission scholarship, praise the Lord. So it's been part of me uh, ever since my first uh, work in missions was through an uh, international youth corps, apostolic youth, youth corps trip that was sponsored by Move the Mission, and so it's just been a part of us, and we are so very grateful for your sacrificial giving. Don't just think it's another offering. It is a way that you can help fulfill the great commission of taking the gospel into the entire world. And so I cannot stress that enough. So we're very, very grateful and uh, we're very thankful that God has sent us to the nation of Guatemala. Uh, We went there planning on spending a year and look what happened. Parents, if your kids say, I'm only going for a year, call my parents. (laughs) Because that one year spread into 38 incredible years working in the nation of Guatemala. Next slide. Uh, Guatemala is a beautiful place. Um, if you have been outside lately, you know that Dallas is not the land of eternal spring. Uh, in fact, I think it has made me want to go to heaven and not the other place because it has been so hot here. And God has taken us into the land of eternal spring. And most of you think, you know, Guatemala, Central America, it's hot, it's humid. We live a mile above sea level in Guatemala City, and that makes us suffer through 75-degree weather all year long. Don't you feel sorry for us? We just figured that somebody needed to make that sacrifice, so we said, God, we will do that. Praise God. And so we're just very grateful. It is a beautiful, beautiful nation that God has taken us to and a beautiful people that God has given us in the nation of Guatemala. Let's go to the next slide. Uh, We are very thankful. Uh, Most people also think of Central America as being all Spanish-speaking. And it is a Spanish-speaking country, but really only 40% of our people in Guatemala are Spanish speakers. The other 60% speak any one of 23 different Mayan Indian dialects. And I'm thankful this morning I can share with you that the United Pentecostal Church now has churches in 17 different languages besides the Spanish language in Guatemala. Praise the Lord. And we are so thrilled with what God is doing uh, among our Spanish churches and also among the Mayan Indian churches in the nation of Guatemala. Next slide. We are very excited to tell you that we now have in Guatemala 268 established churches. We have 306 ministers. And this morning, there's over 22,000 people baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And that absolutely thrills us because when we went there 38 years ago, we only had about 500 people baptized in Jesus' name. So God has done some great things, but I believe the greater things are yet to come and that God has some incredible things in store for the nation of Guatemala. Let's go to the next slide. Um, 
uh, one of the things that we are promoting while we are traveling are our books. Uh, this book is hot off the press. It's called A Lifetime in Guatemala, Our Story. And this literally goes back to our calling and how God took us to Guatemala. It's full of miracles. It's full of so many things of what God is doing in our nation. And I just encourage you to pick up a copy of that. And then also we have another book called Borders Crossing that is written by our 23-year-old son who was caught in Indonesia when COVID hit. And this is a story about getting back to Guatemala. And it's done kind of on a comical side. And these books... Books are available out in the entryway following service. We also have a number of uh, uh, kind of cool things from Guatemala for sale, and we have some really neat pens that are made out of wood that I made. And so if you want to get a pen made by a missionary, okay, you can go out there and see my wife after church. Uh, some are asking, we take cash, we take uh, credit cards, we take uh, Venmo, uh, if you need to sell your kid, I mean, no. <laughs> But uh, that's out there. Next slide. Uh, But we are very grateful uh, to this church for your giving and supporting us uh, during these last several years. You've been supporting us since 2007, which is absolutely incredible. And we are very grateful to all of you. Next, Next slide. The very heart of the work that we've been doing in Guatemala has been through our training and equipping program. I firmly believe in the need of equipping and training people for ministry. On the screen right now, you see a group of our students and also our Bible school that's in Guatemala City. And let's go to the next slide. I want to share with you uh, what God spoke to me about when we first went to Guatemala. The Lord gave me a few verses that really changed my way of thinking. Because when we first went to Guatemala, you know, we, we... I was telling the service this morning that we, uh, I grew up in Canada, if you haven't figured that out yet, okay? Um, and we learned French in school. I took French for 12 years, and God sent me to a Spanish-speaking country. God does things like that, throws you curveballs. And so we get to Guatemala, and we're struggling to learn Spanish, and I, I mean, I, we, we struggled learning Spanish in the beginning. And as we were learning, one of the pastors said to me, they said, you know, Brother Brad, besides Spanish, there's 23 other languages. And like, it just kind of blew my mind. And I, I literally felt like somebody punched me in the gut. And I began to think, God, how in the world are we going to reach this country? We're struggling to learn one language. And others saying there's 23 more languages. And I literally felt that there was no way we could do it. And God began to speak with me. And he began to tell me that it wasn't his plan for us to come to Guatemala and for us to physically go to every village, every town, and us start a work. But our job was to train and equip the Guatemalan people so they could take the word of God into all of the country. They already know the languages. They already know the culture. And you know what? They can be more effective in reaching their country than a foreign missionary can. And so we began to dedicate our time to training and equipping. And this is the verse that God brought to me. The Bible says, how shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard? How can people believe in Jesus 
if they've never heard who Jesus is or what Jesus can do in their lives. And a lot of times we look at this verse and we think, well, that's talking about some other country because everybody in North America knows about Jesus. Let me just tell you something. Everybody probably has heard the name of Jesus. Some of them may even use his name as a swear word. But to really know who Jesus is and what Jesus can do in their lives, there's people that you meet every Every day that don't have the first clue as to what God can do for them. Praise God. So the Bible goes on to say, how shall they hear without a preacher? And we love this verse. You know why we love this verse? Because we can wash our hands and we can say, that's right, brother man. Without you, they aren't going to hear. You are the man. But you know what? Paul is not saying in this verse, how shall they hear except someone stands behind a pulpit and preaches a message? What Paul is really saying in this verse is how can your neighbors know unless you take the word of God to them? How can that person that you work with that is hurting and struggling, how can they understand what Jesus can do in their life unless you open up your heart to them and share with them what God has done in you? You see, church, there's a world around us that is hurting. There's a world around us that needs Jesus, and all they're waiting for is for you and for me to reach out to them and let them see Jesus through me. You see, I don't believe it's by chance that we work where we work or we live where we live. I believe that God has placed us exactly where he wants us because there's people that are around us that will only hear about him if we open up our hearts and reach out to them. You see, we're here in a missionary service. I believe all of us are missionaries. My field's Guatemala. Your field is your street. Your field is your workplace. Your field is where you study. Your field is where you shop. That's where God has placed you because there's souls that are depending on you. And then the verse goes on to say, how shall they preach except they be sent? And this is the verse that really hit me. Because too often, we think that sending, I can get off. I don't know if I can get back up. (laughs) But we think that sending is just walking over and saying, go. Go. Um, bro, bro, where are you going? And what were you planning on doing? See, he was willing. We're willing. But where are you going? And what are you going to do when you get there? And more importantly, what tools? do you have in your hand to really accomplish that task? God really dealt with me 
Because we had a nation of 17 million people that needed to hear about Jesus Christ. We had some people who were willing to go, but where were they going to go? And what were they going to do when they got there? And more importantly, were they ready? Were they equipped to meet the task that was at hand? And that's why God laid upon our hearts in the very beginning, begin a Bible school, a training center where men and women can come and they can be trained for ministry and they can go forth and reach the country of Guatemala with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Ooh, I did it. I'm only 17. No. Next slide. You see, this is what I believe. I believe that every child of God has a ministry. I don't believe that any of us escape from having a very specific place in the body of Christ. God has not brought us into the church just to come week after week and sit in our chair and receive and receive and receive. No, God has brought us here not just to be served, but he has saved us to serve. He has a purpose. He has a plan for every one of our lives. None of us escape that. Too often we think, well, what can I do? It's not what you can do. It's what can God do through you? That's the question. You see, too often we flip it and we say, well, I can't do much. You know what? You're right. But with God, with God, God took 12 simple fishermen, and normal, everyday people, and turned the world upside down. If he could do that 2,000 years ago, what can he do in 2023 with a group of people that say, hey, I'm ready, God. Use me, flow through me. As we make ourselves available to him, he will take our lives and lead us and direct us, and he will literally blow our minds with what he will do through us in Jesus' name. So, I believe every child of God has a ministry. I believe that we need to train and equip them to reach their full potential in ministry. When we have students come into the Bible school, in fact, I'll never forget, the first Bible class I taught in Guatemala, there were 23 students. It was 30-some years ago, and brother man, I'll never forget, I felt like a little kid on his birthday. It was like I had 23 gifts sitting in front of me, 23 opportunities to multiply my ministry because they may go into towns that I'll never go into, but it didn't matter where they would go. A part of Brad Thompson was going with them because I trained and I helped equip them for the ministry that God gave them to. So I firmly believe that training and equipping, that's why these next step classes and so many other opportunities you have are so important because they equip us to do what God wants us to do in the body of Christ. And the other thing that God began to deal with me about was that if you can't come to the Bible school, you say, Brother Brad, you build a Bible school in Guatemala City. It's a city of 4 million people. I live in a village of 500 people, and I'm terrified to go to the capital. If you can't come to us, We'll take the Bible school to where you are. Next slide. And today in Guatemala, we now have Bible schools in 30 locations around the country. Now to bring it into focus, 
Guatemala is like the size of Mississippi. It's like having 30 Bible schools in the state of Mississippi. Praise God. Because the idea is wherever you are in the country, we want you to have a Bible school that's close to you where you can be trained. And every year right now, we're averaging around 400 students coming to the Bible school every week to be trained and to be equipped. Now, church, you cannot train 400 people every year without seeing some results. Our churches are growing like never before. New cell groups are starting and new church plants are starting. In fact, for the last six years, next slide, we have been averaging one new church started every single month and two new people entering into ministry. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise God. And it's happening because we're training, we're equipping, we're preparing the army of Pentecostals to reach Guatemala. And I'm really excited because... Six, about six years ago, Global Missions asked us to take what God's doing in Guatemala, go to the next slide, and work with Bible schools all around the world. Now, we're not trying to go into a nation and copy what we're doing in Guatemala. Because we understand that every nation is different. Every nation's unique. But we're trying to help leaders in countries all over the world to look outside the box because we do know that training works. And we also know that we are living in the final days. And if we're going to reach our world, we need to do it now. And it's our desire that we can raise up an army of Pentecostals to reach the world in our generation. <laughs> Praise God. Next slide. We are currently working with 400 Bible schools around the world. This last year, we had 10,600 students, and I believe we're well on the way of raising up that army of Pentecostals, and I believe the impact on this world is going to be absolutely incredible. I wish I had time this morning to share with you the testimony of hundreds of students, but I'm going to share one. Uh, go to the next slide. This is um, Brother Sebastian Sui, and I'm sharing his testimony because I've known Sebastian since he was a kid and I know his life and I know what God has done through him. Sebastian came to our Bible school a few years back. His dad called me one day and said, Brother Brad, I want to send my son to Bible school. Of course, I was like all about it. I was like, yeah, great, send him on. He said, well, he said, there's a couple problems. He said, first of all, Sebastian's native tongue is not Spanish. His native tongue is Kichi. He doesn't speak Spanish very well. He's never been to school. He doesn't read or write very good in Spanish. And so I figured, yeah, that's going to be a bit of a challenge. But we've had those challenges before. And then he said, but also, Sebastian is very timid. And so I just kind of took that at face value. But when Sebastian came to school to register the next week, bro... Timid does not even describe what Sebastian was. Sebastian was very, uh, had a huge inferiority complex. He was just intimidated by everybody. And I remember when he came in the door, I went down and was talking to him, and, and I was trying to hold a conversation. He was just kind of like looking at the ground, and when he would answer me, he would just kind of mumble. You could barely understand what he was saying. And so I, you know, welcomed to Bible school, and I remember telling the teachers, I said, you know, we have a challenge with Sebastian, and I explained to them the situation. As the next semester of Bible school unfolded, um, almost weekly, the conversation with teachers would be, what are we going to do with Sebastian? First of all, he was so timid and so shy, but his grades, like he, he had never done a test before. His mother tongue was not Spanish. 
And he would get grades back like three out of 100. His highest grade that semester was 13 out of 100. I would have died. He came into my office at the end of the semester when he got his report card. The poor guy was crying. And he said, Brother Brad, I can't do it. He said, I'm not coming back to Bible school. He said, look at my grades. He said, they're probably the lowest grades in the history of the Bible school. And I think he was probably right. And um, he just said, I can't do tests. He said, I, he said, there's no sense in me coming back. I took his grades and laid them off to one side. And I looked at him and I said, Sebastian, let's forget about the grades. Are you learning anything? When I asked him that question, it was like a light turned on inside of him. He looked at me, and this big smile came across his face. He said, oh, Brother Brad. He said, I can't begin to tell you how much I've been learning. He said, I've been taking it back to our youth group in our local church. He said, we're starting cell groups with our young people. We're out on the streets evangelizing. They're teaching Bible studies, and we are literally baptizing new young people in Jesus' name. Like He got so excited and so animated what was happening because he was learning that at Bible school and taking it back and putting it in practice. I've told our students time again, I don't care what your grades are. The greatest test of what you are learning is what you do when you walk out the door. Praise God. So to me, Sebastian was hitting 100. And uh, the neat thing was, the entire time he was talking to me, he was so animated, and he was looking at me eye to eye. God had already done something in that young man's life. So I encouraged him to come back. He came back to Bible school. Two and a half years later, he graduated with an average grade of 83%. Um, the neat thing with Sebastian was other students helped him. The teachers helped him. And, and I think that's, that's a great learning thing in our, in our, within ourselves. We, we need to help each other. That's how the body grows and develops. And so in, uh, when Sebastian was in his second year of Bible school, his dad, who was the pastor of the church, became quite ill and just kind of really just kind of fed up with life. And he got up one Sunday morning in church, and he said, this is going to be our last service. He said, I can't pastor anymore. I'm closing the church. The church was shocked. They had no idea. Sebastian spoke up, and he said, Dad, you can't close the church. He said, look what God's doing with the, young, with the youth group. The youth group is growing, and we got new people, and like we, we can't close this down. And his dad said, I, I just can't do it anymore. So Sebastian says, well, if you won't pastor it, then I'll pastor the church. <laughs> Praise God. Everybody in the church got excited, and shy, timid Sebastian began pastoring that church. By the time he graduated from Bible school, about a year and a little bit later, that church had already doubled in size. This was the original building. That next year, they had to blow out the walls and, and, and make it twice as big. Next slide. Now they're building their third building. This is their new building that they're building. Plus, they started two daughter churches in neighboring communities. Praise God. Praise God. Sebastian is now a presbyter over other pastors, and now he has a Bible school going on in that church. He's the director of that Bible school, teacher of that Bible school. Don't tell me that God cannot change and transform lives. There are too many Sebastians in the church. 
I can't talk. I don't have all the information. I don't speak their language. How am I going to relate? You know, we have got so many excuses as to why God can't use us when God is not looking with a great big long list of qualifications to see if you qualify. All God's looking for are some people who will say, I'm available, God. Just take me and use me. Flow through me. And if we'll make ourselves available, God will take all of our deficiencies and he will transform us and he will use us incredibly in the name of Jesus. You see, it's not what I can do. It's not the things that the talents that I have. Greater is he that is in me. It's the power of God that is working through us in Jesus' name. We are simply vessels and instruments that God can use. Do you know You can go to a sick neighbor and pray for them, and God can heal them. And through that, you can reach your soul. You can have somebody you're working with that's struggling and going through problems, and you can say, hey, can my church pray for you? And as the church begin to pray, God will do a work and do a miracle in them, and it'll bring them to God. You see, God can use any of us. He can use all of us if we will just allow him to flow through us. You see, too often we want somebody else. It's that whole, here am I, send him complex. When we first went to Guatemala back in 1985, I was a young person from a church in Canada. I had grown up with missionaries coming through. You know, you hear all these stories of the miracles and the cool things that God does. And I had an opportunity to go to Guatemala. And I can't tell you how pumped I was. I was going to see maybe blind eyes open. I wanted to see somebody come out of a wheelchair and walk. Maybe I'd even see the dead being raised. I wanted to go and see it all happen. I wanted to see hundreds receive the Holy Ghost in one service. But I wanted to see it. I never really thought that God could use me as a conduit for his blessings. We were in Guatemala just about six months. We were working with Brother and Sister Windrost and They were working also over southern Mexico, and Brother Drost and his family were going to go into Mexico for two weeks and be gone during that two-week period, and we were staying in their home and taking care of things. This was before cell phones. Back then, we didn't have fax machines. That's how old I am. Uh, Some of you guys probably are thinking, what's a fax machine? (laughs) Anyway, uh, we would have no way to communicate with them for two weeks. And I remember the last thing Brother Dross said to me when he left. He looked at me. He said, now, Brad, if anything happens, just handle it. Mm. I remember walking back into the house saying, God, do not let anything happen. <laughs> and that was a very fervent prayer said with a lot of faith. And um, several nights after they left, we were at home, and the phone rang, and I answered the phone, and it was a lady from the Central Church and remember, I had only been in Guatemala a few months. My Spanish was more French. Okay? And um, I, this lady was crying and speaking very quickly in Spanish. She might, she might have well been speaking Hungarian. 
Like, I, I did not understand a word she was saying. I had no idea what was going on. All I knew was that there was a problem. And finally, I got her to calm down and speak slowly. And so I discovered it was Sister Rita from the church. She had just had a new baby. The baby was in the hospital, and the baby was not expected to live. And she said, Brother Brad, can somebody please come and pray for my baby? And I assured her that somebody would come to pray for the baby. And I got off the phone with her, and I picked the phone back up, and I called the church because we had four assistant pastors. And so I was, you know, being the good aimer, good missionary helper, I was going to send one of those pastors to pray for the sick baby. And so I called, and there was nobody at the church. The four pastors weren't there. Their family wasn't there. Nobody was there. And so I dig out this list that Brother Dross had left me of emergency phone numbers, and I called the head church deacon and the second deacon, the third one and the fourth one and the fifth one, and none of them were home. And I called the neighboring pastor and the pastor that didn't like us. And, like, no, it's kidding. I called, like, everybody, even, like, right down to the cleaning lady. And nobody was home. And I'm not, and I'm not, I'm beginning to panic. And I remember literally walking back and forth in the living room saying, God, who in the world can I send? I promised her somebody would come. Like, who can I send? And it was like God hit me over the head and he said, You go. And I had one of those Moses moments, and I'm not talking the burning bush, okay? I'm talking the arguing and saying, I can't go. Like, I can't speak Spanish. I'm just this kid from Canada. Like, Brother Dross would have the faith to do it. You know, he could go and pray. Or one of these pastors that God's used incredibly, they would be able to go and do it. But God, who am I that I could go? And God brought back to my mind a verse of Scripture that I had memorized as a Bible quizzer. And it's in Mark chapter 16. And the Bible says that these signs shall follow them that believe. And it goes on to say, in my name, they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. If they take up serpents or drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. I flipped my Bible open and began to look at that verse. And that word shall just jumped out of the pages to me. Because seven times in those verses, it says, it shall happen. 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 It doesn't say it might happen. It doesn't say it could happen. It doesn't say if the right person prays, it, it, you know, it probably will happen. No, the Bible says that if you will believe and pray in my name, that it shall happen. Too often, we leave our pews, and we come up for our need, and we're thinking, oh, God, I hope you help me. Oh, God, I really hope you help me. And we come up here, and we pray, and we're like, I wonder if God will do it. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that we should get up out of our seats, and we should be like, oh, I believe. I believe it's going to happen. I believe it's going to happen in Jesus' name. Praise God. That's what God is looking for in us. He's looking for people of faith who says, if the word says it, it's true. And just let me say one more thing. We believe it's true for someone else. But when it hits here, let me tell you something. The same Bible that's true for him is true for him. It's true for me. The promises do not vary. God makes no exception of people. So, the other thing that verse said, and still says, these signs shall follow who? Them that believe. It didn't say 
these signs shall follow the missionary that's been on the field for 20 years. It didn't say these signs shall follow the minister that's met the board and has a credential. The Bible doesn't say these signs shall follow the worship team. The Bible says that these signs shall follow them that believe. That's us. That's all of us. If we can believe God, if we can put our faith in his word, these signs are available to us and they shall follow us. Well, I began to get excited. And we called two young people from the church. You know, went from the pastors to the deacons, to the cleaning lady, to the young people. And I said, you guys know where this hospital is? And they said, yes. I said, take us to them. So we went with these two young people to the hospital. Sister Alvita, the mom, and the grandmother were there. They came out and met us, and Sister Alvita was crying, and she said, Brother Brad, the doctor just left. And he said that the situation with my baby is impossible, that my baby has at the most two hours to live, and the baby's going to die. She said, can you at least dedicate my baby to God before it dies? That would have been a perfect way out. Yeah, I'll dedicate the baby and just see what happens. But God had given a promise. If God gives you a promise... Don't let the circumstances you see kill your faith. Because if God gives you a promise, he gave it because he's going to come through. So I began to share with Sister Alvita the verse that God had shared with me. And I said, Sister Alvita, we'll dedicate your baby, but we're going to pray and we're going to believe God for a miracle. I'll never forget us walking into that hospital room. That little baby had so much fever that its little arms and legs were almost like twisted. They were, they, there was just so much fever. And um, we gathered around the table, the, or the little bed. Mother, grandmother, 21-year-old Amers, and two young people from a local church. And we began to call out on the name that's above every other name. The power of God came into that room in a way that I had never felt it before. Now, when I opened my eyes, I was expecting to see that little baby laying there, smiling, completely better. But when I opened my eyes up, his little arms and legs were still kind of twisted. The fever was still there. But we had felt the presence of God, and we knew God had done something. Now, just let me pause here and say this. Don't put God in a box. Don't try to tell God how to do it. Have you ever prayed and said, you know, God, I need this done, and this is probably the best way of doing it? I have news for you. He really does know the best way of doing it. Like, don't meddle with God. Just, just believe his word and let him do it. And I assure you, he will do it better than what you think it should be. Because God's timing is a perfect timing. And God knows exactly what he needs to do when he needs to do it. And so I left that hospital not seeing an instant miracle. But I left knowing beyond any doubt that God had done a miracle in that little baby's life. Two days later, I had not heard from Sister Alvita. 
We were at the church getting ready for service to begin. I was up on the platform getting things plugged in and turned on. And the back door of the church opened and in walked that mother and the grandmother. Sister Alvita had this big bundle of blankets in her arms. Nobody had to tell me what was in that bundle. I ran off the platform and I pawed through that bundle. And there was that little baby completely and totally healed in Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Let's stand together right now, church. Praise the name of Jesus. We serve an all-powerful God. Praise God. Praise God. God didn't finish there because 12 years later, I had the privilege of praying for that little girl when she received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I had the privilege of baptizing her in the beautiful name of Jesus for the remission of her sins. You see, when God does a miracle, he does the complete package. Praise God. Praise God. And I share this with you this morning for two reasons. Number one, if you're saying, God, how can you use me? What can I do? Let me introduce you to a book that is full of transformed people just like you. There's not one person that God used in the Bible that didn't have a flaw or an imperfection or felt unworthy. But God just simply uses them and us as vessels, as conduits that he can flow through. All God is looking for is someone who will say, here am I, God. Send me, use me, flow through me. And as we make ourselves available to him, God will do things that we never thought possible. He will use you in ways that you just never even thought he could do because that's the kind of God that we serve. The other thing I want to mention here, if you're here with a need today, you may say the doctors say it's impossible. You may say, oh, the job situation is just so difficult. The finances, it's just, it's, it's just an impossible situation. We serve a God who specializes in impossible situations. He took an earth that was without form and void and created a beautiful place for us to live on. He took a clump of dirt and made you. Just think about it. Our God can take what looks to be absolutely impossible and he can flip it around and get glory from it. You may be here like Sister Elvita and say, oh, the doctors just said it's impossible. There's nothing more that can happen. I challenge you to put your faith this morning in the Word of God and allow the Word of God to be your guidepost. It doesn't matter what the doctor says. It doesn't matter what the lawyer says. It doesn't matter what the family says. It doesn't matter what your friends say. What does the Word of God say? Let's allow the Word of God to speak into our lives this morning and take control of the situation and change it. In Jesus' name, we're going to open this altar this morning because I really believe that there are people that are here that really want to be used of God. And you're afraid. I want to invite you to come this morning and just turn yourself completely over to God and say, God, flow through me. There's others here that are facing situations that seem to be impossible, but we serve a God of the impossible. And I believe that you can leave this church 
different than when you came. The Bible is all about transformation. And I believe in this service today, God can transform your life. He can transform your situation. He can minister to whatever need that you have. This altar is open this morning. I invite you to come and pour it out to Jesus. Place your life in his hand and allow him to do a miracle in your life this morning. In Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you were inspired by today's sermon. Connect with the Life Church through our website, tlcdallas.com, and on Facebook and Instagram at TLC Dallas. Remember, together we can love God, love people, and make a difference. God bless.